With working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? It's impossible to do it all, yet we're asked to each day. Listen to hear how one high-wire woman, Rosanna Berardi, stays on the high wire while managing a busy law firm, a consulting business, teaching at a law school, parenting her 14-year-old son, and maintaining a happy and healthy marriage. Let Rosanna show you how to make sense of your life and stay on that high wire. Hi, everyone. It's Rosanna Berardi here at the High Wire Woman podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. Today, I have a really special guest, Jenny Arrington. Jenny is an amazing human being and also the co-founder and lead teacher at this really, really cool business called Rebel Human, which we'll talk about shortly. So Jenny, thank you for being here and welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Awesome. So tell us the quote unquote, one minute story of your life. I say that because sometimes people will tell me a 30 minute version and <laughs> in the interest of time, I always try to you know give us the high level, who you are, what you do and how you got here. Well, I live in the town that I grew up in, Evanston, Illinois, just north of Chicago, a college town where Northwestern University is. Ah, okay. And I throw that in there because I'm definitely a proud townie. <laughs> and I like to get involved and help out with politics and that sort of thing. I grew up here in a very you know, privileged town and household, but it was full of emotional distress and mm. divorce and emotional abuse. And I was gang raped at a oh. young age in seventh grade. And sorry. And from then on, there was many, many years of clinical depression and about 10 years of that and about 20 years of anorexia and bulimia that I really had to dig myself out of. I started to dig out when I met my husband, had two children who are now two girls, now 11 and 14, got divorced. And through that, I was definitely digging myself out because I had found yoga and meditation. And it was in that process that I realized I was a teacher and leaned into that. And I've been teaching yoga and meditation, different types of yoga, kundalini yoga, yin yoga, vinyasa yoga, lots of different types of meditation and sound healing. And, you know, every year once I found those tools, you know, that really the growth and my healing increased exponentially. And so, you know, in that process, as I realized I'm a teacher, I need to teach this stuff. It was also born out of how it affected me and my healing and just driven to need to share that and to get it to as many people as possible. Hmm. That's fascinating. I know when you provided me with some of your background, tell me about making it to the second round of Shark Tank. What was that about? <laughs> and what were you selling? Oh, it was so crazy. I was actually, you know, trying to fill a hole in the market and find a better way to roll up a yoga mat faster, mm. more efficient, clean. And I was, you know, experimenting. I worked with a mechanical engineer and I was experimenting with fabric then. And, you know, how can I tie this up in a cool way and inspired by Japanese furoshiki. And I came up with this thing that ended up being a garment that I could wear in oh. over 15 ways. And just one thing led to another. I took this MIT entrepreneurship bootcamp course and it was rolling. It was rolling. I applied to Shark Tank, got to the second round, didn't ever get on TV, but it was a business that I started you know, born out of an accident that then just 
failed because it's really tough. And I was on my own at the time, yeah. and, you know, getting into the garment industry is just huge. Now that I have a partner and I have this other business, mm-hmm. we've rebranded it as the Motley and it exists in our emporium and amongst oh. all the things that we sell. I mean, Rebel Human is kind of a universe and it's about six different businesses wrapped up into one. So at some point, we'll be able to put a little more effort into the Motley and maybe get it out there more. But it does exist still. That's such a great story. And I don't want to say this in a harsh way, but I'm glad you failed. No one talks (laughs) about their failures. People think that entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs, they just came out of the womb and they just knew what to do. And most of us tried five or six iterations of oh, different yeah. things and and you learn, I mean, I hate failing, but you learn so much and nothing mm-hmm. can teach you those lessons other than failing. And I think there's so much shame attached to saying, oh, I failed or I'm terrible at that. And people are like, what? How is that possible? But <laughs> I don't think you can be who you are with those experiences. And I've noticed a trend in spending time on your website and reading about you that you've had a lot of different iterations of your life. And I feel like the universe doesn't make mistakes and it's part of a path and a trajectory to get you to who you're really intended to be at a higher level. So tell us a little bit about Rebel Human. Tell me about this cool universe. I want to live on it. You guys, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You're going to see it. It's really cool. They do really nice international retreats, which is right up my alley. Tell us more. Tell us more. Yes. Well, you know, we are using tools from the yogic tradition, all these ancient tools, also taking from the Stoics, taking from modern science and what we know about the brain and bringing it all together, not under the normal umbrella of just wellness or yoga, but this idea that, you know, we don't find true joy until we really dig into purpose and meaning and connection. And we don't really find healing unless we do some work, I mean, real work, and you have to be ready for it. And we aren't really fulfilled unless we're living in accordance with our values. So there's this real trend of performative wellness out there and real like, what's the pill I can take? What's the Mm -hmm. easy thing I can do? And at the end of the day, it just comes back to some really simple things and it takes dedication and work. And we want to lean into that and embrace it and let people know that, you know, if you do this hard work and build resilience, equanimity and transcendence, and we can build your rebel human, which is someone who has the strength and clarity of purpose to do the hard thing when it's the right thing to push against the norms that are holding people back, hurting ourselves, hurting others, and keeping us stuck in a a society that's hurting us, stuck Mm -hmm. in a life that's hurting us. So we bring all these tools together and you could be jumping around doing mindful cardio, you could be in a sound bath, you could be meditating, you could be doing kundalini yoga, but the through line with all of those is, again, this connection to purpose, this connection to equanimity. It's a really exciting but hard thing because it's very different. You know, even though we're using a lot of these same tools, it's a very different message. It's kind of like the Marine Corps, like the few and the proud, and this is hard. And, you know, lean into that and you can do it and, Mm -hmm. you know, do the hard thing when it's the right thing. 
Yeah. And it's, it's super interesting because I've learned, I've heard it on a lot of different podcasts and in a lot of different articles, like as humans, we are wired for comfort. Our brains are wired exactly. to do the same thing that we always do. You know, you always remember that, that meme that you see, like, you know, everything exciting happens outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But as women and as working women, we are so stuck in societal menus of how to live. I mean, everybody is told the same story. Now it's starting to shift a little bit, thankfully, but you know, I'm 49. And when I was a kid, it was like, oh, you're going to get a job and you're going to marry and you're going to have kids. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do those things, you were some freak of nature. And there are many, many people that did those things and are stuck mm-hmm. because it's not truly what they wanted to do. And I'm not saying that women don't love their children or don't want to have children, but we've been sold a bill of goods about how mm-hmm. to live. And I'm guilty of it. I want a quick fix. I want to buy a machine. I want to take a pill and I want (laughs) everything to go away instantly. And I want to be a better person. But like you said, invariably that doesn't work. And it's the hard stuff that requires to be done that transforms you. So tell me a little bit about like the yoga. Now, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of my listeners that are doing a big eye roll because they're like, oh, one more person tells me about yoga. Yoga's so woo-woo. I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And I saw on your website, you have a really cool video about like yoga is not about getting that hot body, you know, that California Mm -hmm. body that we all see in images. Tell us the transformative power behind yoga and why it's so critical for women to do. Well, first, I think it's important to really dispel the myths of yoga in the popular Western culture version of it that is so sanitized and stripped of yogic philosophy where the real good stuff is, and it has become just a workout or, you know, just a yoga flow for legs or whatever. And it's so sad. A lot of people are starting to push back on that. But that is absolutely not what it is. So yoga is made up of eight different limbs. So the asana, the movement piece is just one. Meditation is a whole limb. Breath work, pranayama is a whole nother limb. Withdrawal of the senses, self-study, this quiet, you know, deep study and inward looking. And on and on, niyamas and yamas and these ways of living. So you don't even need to do the asana piece. It's important and in, in only in that it prepares you for meditation. Okay. Historically and still, the purpose of the asanas, those poses, is to get you comfortable and flexible and kind of get your wiggles out so that when you sit down, there's it's easier to slip into that deep stillness. All the breath work is preparation to get you into a meditative state. And the beauty happens there because that's when the mud settles and the water becomes clear. If we're running around chasing all of our fear thoughts and our old stories and our ego, which is just a a collection of stories telling us who we think we are, we get nowhere. We follow even, you know, this whole follow your passion thing, which is, you know, kind of controversial now and maybe not the best way to go is passion comes from the etymology is suffering and it's running around and it's kind of fueled by this, these needs. And you end up kind of, if it gets hard and you switch somewhere else and do something else. So 
there's this discipline with yoga and this stillness that we get to. And when that mud settles and the water clears, we get to see the truth, the truth of who we are, the truth of the state of things, what our relationships are, our deep core gifts, you know, what we're here to do, our purpose, all that stuff starts to bubble up. And now that doesn't happen immediately. And the process can be hard too. It's like cleaning out that old junk closet and you're like, oh, let me close. You are excited to start it one day. And on day two, you're like, (laughs) why did I do that? Let me close that door and I'll come back in a year. But if we dig through it and use these tools, we get to the end, the closet is beautifully clear. And now we Mm -hmm. get to decide what we want to put in it and how we want to organize it. There's just this new sense of control, awareness, connection, deep connection, and deep connection to your own wisdom and intuition. It's very easy to confuse intuition with desires or fears. Right. And that was one of my challenges in the journey when I started it. I was like, is this my intuition or is it fear? Or is it just a passion? Mm-hmm. What, where is the real path? And the only way these answers can come seriously <laughs> is in these deep states of meditation when the mud settles and the water yeah. clears. It's fascinating that you said the eight limbs of yoga. There's a local studio in the area that I live called Eight Limbs. And I just found out about them. And I'm like, why is it eight limbs? And I'm trying to think about, <laughs> is it the way that you contort your body? Like, I only see like one two, three, four. And so I, I had no idea what that meant until you said it. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. That's fascinating. And I don't think many people are aware of that. We think of yoga as the downward dog. Exactly. And, you know, the sun salutation and, you know, it, it's like many things in the female space. It's just become very oversubscribed without the depths behind it. So that's super interesting. So and there's one more thing right before your yes. next question, because I don't want to skip over. It's really important when you mentioned that we're wired for comfort. That's something that Rebel Human, we talk about a lot and work through. Okay. So we understand it's just working with our thoughts and our needs and our habits and our cravings. And they're very simple tools. Again, it just takes practice using mantra. So mm. using mantra to shift our thinking and to shift you know, if we start going down a spiral of fear thoughts that will get us more into our shell, there are easy ways to jump into the use of mantra, both silently and out loud to shift those thoughts. And it's through our resilience training. This is more to the comfort thing now. Mm -hmm. Actual physical practices that anyone can do, and we modify them for anyone, that builds up and strengthens your nervous system. So you get really good at sitting with little bits of discomfort and it's just a practice and you get better and better at even getting into a meditative state while experiencing a little bit of discomfort, not pain, nothing, nobody's getting hurt. Sure. But then when you're out in the world and you know, your emotions are terribly challenging. They're not comfortable at all. No. But when you're out there in the world and you have your challenging emotions and you have your challenging situations and relationships, you have that little bit of extra mm, and stamina and resilience to face it and not run off into the things that we escape to. Yes. And so many of us are guilty of getting through the day, running, running, running on that hamster wheel, 
And at the end of the day, what I call doom scrolling on our phones for hours, looking at nonsense or binge watching a show on Netflix. And that's all just burying it, right? That's, I mean, you need to relax. You need some downtime. But I think when, I don't know about you, but when my iPhone tells me the amount of screen time I've used in a week, it makes my stomach turn. I'm like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that tells me they don't have time to do stuff, I'm like, put your phone away and you'll find so much time and guilty as charged. But (laughs) I think it's, you know, I think we avoid that stuff because it's not comfortable and it's exactly, exactly. Well, here's something that can be a little hopeful for all of your listeners. Tell us hopeful. Is that when it comes to trying to quit something like doom scrolling or Netflix binging or, or food or any or smoking, you know, we are really not wired to avoid those things. Like they're very, if they work and they provide some dopamine release, it's going to be really hard to quit. So the key is to bring something more compelling into your life and those things will start to fall away. It's setting your life up so that you have no temptations, so that those things aren't even an option. So people who you look at and you're like, gosh, they're so disciplined. They're actually not any different from you. They just set their life up so that they don't see the other options. They don't see the things that will take them into these habits or behaviors. But I got to tell you, when I I used to smoke, I smoked for Mm. almost 10 years. And Yeah, I tried quitting once in a while, but it was when I started practicing yoga. And I promise you, I didn't even know I had no intention of quitting. And I had had no idea this would happen. But I found that I wanted to wake up early and go to class because it felt so good. And if I stayed up drinking and smoking, I wouldn't be able to get up for class and go to class and feel good. It felt better than smoking. So that was that more compelling thing Got it. that I brought in. And slowly, it wasn't cold turkey, but just slowly the smoking fell away. And there's so many other ways that we can use that. So it's like choosing joy instead of going to like, oh, I can't do that thing. I can't right. go on my phone. I can't. Right. That will never, ever work. We have to just look at our lives and be like, what is a joyful thing that I can start doing that right. is actually pleasurable? You know, and if journaling, if you're like, oh, well, everybody told me I should journal. If journaling is not pleasurable for you, that's not going to be the thing. Right, right. I, you know, have a similar philosophy and talk when I work with my high wire woman clients about business development and getting clients. And they're like, well, you know, I don't like to be on video, so I don't want to do videos. I'm like, okay, well, then don't because you're never going to be successful at something you hate. And if you like writing and that's your thing, then that's your thing. You can't be someone that you're not and expect to be successful. Like it just doesn't work. And we all do it with dieting. Like, oh, I'm not going to eat carbs. That works for three days. Right. And then you're like, okay, not possible. And, you know, we tend to put ourselves in these boxes, right? Like I should do this. I should do that. But really you could do whatever you want. And you're most successful when you do whatever the heck you want to do. Right. That's just. Right. So, so you started Rebel Human a few months before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> and uh, you had a fabulous retreat. Where was it? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. In the jungle. Guys, in check out the pictures online. You will definitely want to book a trip immediately after seeing the pictures. So, tell us about launching a business in 2020. 
and where you are now and, and what you've done during the last, you know, 12 to 14 months? Yeah, well, it was tough, but I actually, it wasn't that tough. And it's more in hindsight that we look back and my co-founder and I, Tate, and I look back and we're like, wow, that was hard. <laughs> but at the, in the moment, and I, we really think our practice for this. So the fact that we had these tools of resilience and training and meditation that we just went into it and rolled with the punches. We're like, okay, well, this is what we're here, what we're faced with here. We're going to do this. You know, like this gives us the opportunity to build that membership library that we've always wanted to. So we, I was teaching four to five live classes a day. We, we, um, she's amazing. And she built out and did all the research and got all the cameras and the lights and the sound mixing. And we built a film studio within two weeks. Wow. We wanted to bring everything to our clients because this is a tough time. And as we thought, well, they need us more than ever. They need these tools more than ever. So we were providing classes all day long, every day, and then banking them. I had to be like the one hit, one take wonder. Because it was a live class, but it was going into the library. So it, you know, it had to be perfect. But you know, when you're teaching and teaching live classes in front of people, you don't have a second take with that either. Right, exactly. (laughs) So we built out this library. We were able to build out a schools program that we piloted last year at a nationally ranked school, which is my hometown school, Evanston Township High School, to help them outsource their wellness and bring these tools to high schools. We built out a corporate program, and now that we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, we're planning our next three retreats. The first one will be domestic, and the next two are international. So we're still trying to navigate the travel guidelines that are out there and be safe, but we're really excited to help with this. You know, We have a collective trauma and mm-hmm. we're all kind of putting ourselves back together. And this first retreat is going to be a really beautiful, more restorative, you know, no resilience training here. We just need <laughs> to get, <laughs> we need to take care of ourselves and nourish and feed. And, you know, all of our retreats are vegan and no alcohol. So it's a really deep reset. And we'll do this in community with other women. And, you know, we haven't been, been with other women and sure. together or our best friend. And this will be an opportunity to, to bring your friend and commune with women and have that support in a really healthy, beautiful way. So will that happen in 2021? This next one, we're looking at October 2021. Okay. And we're about to announce within the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, stay tuned, listeners. I'm definitely going to be looking out for that. So tell me the one thing that you can't live without. Like, what is your one non-negotiable in life? Tell me more about (laughs) your one thing. This is is so silly, but I asked this, I was thinking about this topic and asked both my co-founder, my business partner, and the love of my life, my life partner, lover, whatever you want to call it. I hate calling boyfriend. I know it sounds so weird, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm like, I'm a grown woman. I know it's my boyfriend, right? (laughs) But they both said, oh, Jenny, you're hot water. You can't live without your hot water. So I have, even in the summer, which they think is crazy, I've got this water bottle, my Revel Human Mirror water bottle that I carry around with hot water and sip on it. So it's this ancient Ayurvedic practice that 
is like a constant cleanse and it's allowing your body to do the work of healing itself constantly. Like it's very soothing on the stomach. Like if you ever have little aches or pains or even hunger pangs and you can't get to your meal yet, few sips of hot water, it's crazy how it settles the stomach. It's just very relaxing and comforting. And it's such a coincidence because I'm a huge fan of hot water. I've been drinking it for years. I love it. People think I'm crazy. (laughs) I didn't know it had any healing properties, but I did know it was very soothing. And, you know, everyone enjoys a a real cold glass of water when you're hot, but I live in Buffalo. It's not hot here very often. (laughs) And I just find it's just so soothing when I'm working to just have a cup of hot water on my desk at all times. So who knew I was uh, ahead of my times. I didn't know that that was a a healing thing. So makes sense why I love it so much. Well, I'm gonna we're gonna send you one of these Rebel Human mirror oh, bottles that will keep it just you can get it to that perfect temperature and then it will oh, stay there for hours. Because I know if you have it in a mug, it gets cold too quick. Yeah, it does. It gets cold fast. So tell us about how the high wire women community can become rebel humans. Tell us about what that involves, how it works. Is there like a monthly fee? Is it an annual thing? What does it include? Tell us more. Super interesting. Well, there's lots of ways to engage in these trainings. It could be one of the retreats or all three of the retreats that are coming up, which are planned to really take you on a journey from healing to resilience building to reimagining your life. There's the membership library, which is just $30 a month. And that's for you to reinforce these teachings, either after you come home for your retreat or leading up to your retreat, or even if you're in our in-person classes in the Chicago area, the home practice and the daily thing is really important if you want to make some changes quickly. And our membership library is very different from the you know big ones online, like Peloton and all of that, because it's high touch. I send you a text five days a week with accountability stuff, with ancient wisdom and information and science around a theme for that week. And you can write me back and I can, you know, have it be in touch with you. And then every member gets a live Zoom meditation every Friday. And we all can then get together in community and see each other and do just a 20 minute thing together around that theme for the week. So it keeps you engaged and we can help you really use the library in the way that will suit you best. When you come on as a member, we have a call together and we talk about what the particular challenges are and I can help you make best use of that library. Well, that's fascinating. Jenny, you truly are a high wire woman and a rebel human. And (laughs) listeners, you can't stay on that high wire of life without being true to yourself, balanced. Everyone that knows me knows that I think work-life balance is the biggest load of (laughs) you-know-what out there. (laughs) But there are ways to turn off the noise, to find out who we truly are, who we're truly meant to be. And Jenny through Rebel Human can certainly help point you in that direction. So Jenny, thank you so much. You've been such an inspiration to us all by reinventing yourself over and over again and reaching this really epic point of your life. And I can't wait to follow it. Can't wait to participate in the retreats. I'll have all of Jenny's contact information in our show notes. So 
thank you so, so much for being a guest on our podcast today. Thank you so much. This was fun. (laughs) I love talking to you. All right. Thank you. Take care.